Welcome to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every episode of this podcast brings in a variety of experts to help all writers incorporate more authentic cops, crimes, and criminals in their stories. For this episode, Mary Kelly Coa is a former legal secretary and a debut author who's joining us to discuss her new book entitled Derailed. It details the adventures of Kelly Pruitt, her main protagonist. And Mary uses her background as a former legal secretary and working in the legal system as a lens to discover what makes people tick. With a deep and broad experience, beginning with first petitions up through trial preparation and including trials, Mary takes her experience in that world and uses those legal maneuverings to add a new level of authenticity to her characters and the obstacles that they have to overcome to find meaning and purpose in our crazy world. Mary, thank you so much for joining Writers on the Beat. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And I, uh, just having found out in the green room that this is your first podcast in support of this book, I'm deeply honored to uh, to to help promote this as the, the first uh, rattle out of the box. Well, I, I'm very excited to be here, and thank you for having me. Now, for readers who don't have an advanced copy of Derailed, or Derailed, I guess, depending on where you put the emphasis on which syllable, um, what would you want them to know about this debut novel? Well, it is centered around a PI, Kelly Pruitt, um, and she's a single mom of a deaf daughter, and she's coming into her first case, and uh, she, she's got some struggles happening. She's uh, just lost her marriage, and her father mm-hmm. has died unexpectedly and has left her the um, detective agency that she basically grew up in, but she never handled any of the investigation part of the business. She was more process mm-hmm. serving, uh, court documents, court research, a little bit of stakeout. And here she is um, about to have her first case. A woman comes to the door looking for her father, finds her instead, and then hires her. Um, and it's really a journey not only on how she goes about solving her first case, but also coming into her own after her after living in the father of her shadow or the shadow of her father for so many years now your main character kelly pruitt i wonder how the two of you met what what inspired her creation and what was that craft development like well i actually met kelly in 1999 uh she was my fourth book that i was writing and kelly showed up uh kind of preformed. So I was a longtime Sue Grafton fan and I've always loved mm-hmm. PI novels. And I thought I wanted to, to write about a PI. And I s- seriously just wrote down the name Kelly Pruitt and then everything about her just kind of came in, who she was, her family dynamics, what mm-hmm. she was going to have to deal with. Um, and yeah, so she just kind of came to me, which was great. <laughs> yeah. And in, showing up it sounds like pretty fully formed um i was she already as as complex as you've made her with all of this backstory or did all those layers kind of come in as you were writing or developing your your novel some layers came in later um i think still some of the layers were there actually right in the beginning so when i in 1999 i was you know in my late uh, well, close to 35, I guess. And Kelly in the book is 32. So, you know, we were similar aged at the time I was mm-hmm. starting to write this. Um, and, and I think I was dealing with certain issues in my life around step parenting and different stuff. And then, so I just 
you know, her issues with ex-husbands and, and being a single mom. So I think we had some synchronicity mm-hmm. at, at the time. And so it was just those layers were just kind of there. They, they just showed up. Now, I understand you spent an awful lot of time working uh, at a law firm, working around attorneys, and I would imagine then also working around PIs because Correct. most law firms have, have have their own investigators that, you know, corroborate or go out and, and find evidence that uh, in civil cases or even criminal cases that the police department didn't uncover for whatever reason, and there's a, a number of them available, um, that you probably had a pretty extensive backlist of uh, of information, basically research that you'd been able to accumulate over that time about private investigations, about the investigative process, the vocabulary, the how these things work, to be able to to kind of come out with, I would imagine, a pretty extensive series of Kelly Pruitt forth to come. Yes. So I was a legal secretary for years and a paralegal, and so I was able to work hand in hand with actually. Uh, PIs that were doing our process serving for us and doing mm-hmm. minor investigations. Um, so yeah, I, I had a front row seat to it. And of course, I was always running up to the courthouse and, and filing documents or prepping witnesses for different events, um, arbitrations or depositions, that type of mm-hmm. thing. So yeah, just having that background for has, is something I've drawn on time and time again, definitely. Now, in terms of the point of view of this story, um, you know, most most of the PI genre, a lot of it is is, is first person. Um, and so when I started reading Derailed, I I wondered if writing this in first person was something you decided based on kind of reader expectations in the genre, or is that something that you and Kelly worked out as you were meeting her as a character? It something Kelly and I worked out it definitely. Um, when we first met because she just had a story to tell and, mm-hmm. and it wanted to come in first person. So it, it really wasn't even a debate. It, she just started talking. <laughs> it was, we start, she started talking and it was her voice and away we went. So now for, uh, I've only recently started writing in, in first person, everything that, that I've had published up to this point um, has, has all been variations of third. And I'm working on a series right now that um, for me feels a little bit dangerous because it's my first voyage into, into first person. And I've decided to cheat um, that this this new conspiracy series I'm working on uh, is going to be first person for my main character and, and then third for a couple of other characters. Um, it seems that that's becoming a fairly popular thing. So I think readers will accept it. But uh, in kind of true PI fashion, you have kept all of derailed in first person. And I wonder from a writing a craft perspective, how you went about making sure that uh, the readers stayed engaged. You kept the story like on pace on point when the limitations of that first person, right? Keep you from being able to reveal anything that Kelly doesn't see or witness. Right. Well, I think that is a limitation definitely of the first person is that you don't get to jump around. I, like you said, you're, they are definitely experimenting with that now where you'd see a first person in it and the third. Um, I think I really focused on cause and effect for throughout the story. You know, what caused, as Kelly was unraveling the different layers, what was that next natural progression? And I tried, you know, of course, during my editing process to, to make those hooks at the end of each chapter so that you wanted to know what Kelly was up to in that next chapter mm-hmm. and what was driving her forward every time. And, 
um, whether it was a family dynamic or whether it was, you know, an investigative, um, you know, following the evidentiary trail, I tried to keep that continuous all the way through. So, One of the things that I think for writers who are still working on that, that first manuscript, just trying to get, um, you know, their, their first effort published, I think that one of the things that has been a real commonality in, in my experience and in most everybody that I've talked to on this, on this show and before we started this podcast is that it seems to take anecdotally about a decade of consistent blood, sweat, and tears to become an overnight success. And you know that for most writers and, and I think also most musicians, um, you start out that first word of that first book with when you initially intend to write a novel. And about you know five to ten years later, by the time you've put in enough time to become an expert at this thing, um, you find find success. I wonder what your story and your experience has been like from I would like to write to I am now uh, a published author. Well, it has been long and winding and slightly more than 10 years. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I actually started, I wrote my very first novel when I was 27. And I wrote my second and third during that 27 to 35 year um, time frame that we talked mm -hmm. about earlier. And I really had high hopes and big dreams. I was going to be the next Mary Higgins Clark. I was going to, you know, do mm -hmm. all of that. And then there's a certain reality. I did try to get agents. Um, I gathered the rejections. And one day, um, it, it, I just kind of lost a little bit of hope on it. And reality set in. Mm -hmm. I needed to do something different. So my husband and I actually, about that time frame, started a, a business unrelated to all of this writing. And I got really involved in that for 15 years. Fast forward to 2016, I sold part of our company and turned 50, and I was looking around, and I saw that book that I wrote in 1999 sitting on the shelf, and mm -hmm. I brought it out, and I started editing it, and I entered it into a contest. It took me a little while to get an agent, get the book deal, so add four years to my eight, 12 years, and I'll be published in May, so um, took a bit. Yeah, there's there's an awful lot of uh, time gap in, in life experience though, that came yes. in there that I imagine is going to help you know, really accelerate the, the, the next book, the next, next installment, the rest of this series. Um, so I guess to look at it another way, if it took 12 years to get the first one published, how long is it going to take to get the second one published? Well, luckily this is a three book deal. <laughs> so, See, perfect. So, there you go. so May of 2021 will be book two. Yes. And it's actually just, I just turned that into my publisher this morning. So. Oh, congratulations. That is always such a fantastic feeling to send those off um, for for editing for final approval. It's you know, I I think I prefer sending it out um, more than I enjoy getting the book back. <laughs> I think like, you're right. I I think it's uh, more of a celebration to have that that accomplishment. My part of it's done. This is on other yes. people now. Yes, until you have to look at it for that final look. Yes. Now, in, in the acknowledgments in, in this book, the first person I think you thank is Rob. And I wonder, um, it sounds like he had, from what you've said in, in the acknowledgment, that um, he had an awful lot of influence in bringing this thing to fruition, um, or compelling you to bring this to fruition, I think is more accurate. Um, and I wonder uh, if, 
along your journey, you've had other mentors, other people that, that, uh, that poked and prodded you and encouraged this particular behavior. Well, I definitely, like when I was writing in the beginning, I belonged to a group of writers that would meet every Monday. We were like the coffee talk group. And so that was definitely a group <laughs> of people that was just very encouraging. Uh, we were each other's cheerleaders and that was definitely excellent. Um, fast forward into that 15 year mark, they were all kind of, they'd all gone their separate directions. And so finding my community uh, these last few years has definitely been um, what's compelled me forward. The Pitch Horse uh, group, Kelly uh, Garrett and Sarah mm -hmm. Henning were my mentors during that. Um, Jenny Nash with Author Accelerator. Kate, Pick Kate yeah. Pickford was my book coach. Um, so I've had a lot of, I've had to find different support systems it's because it's different now mm -hmm. with social media and the way everything is yes um yeah. but they are equally as is um encouraging and supportive of me as you know so it's been great well from a, a craft perspective of putting your your stories together um at least in, in in my experience um when i'm writing it's usually my characters that come to me first and then the story of the plot builds next um often to them and i wonder as you were crafting kelly or as it sounds like she had kind of introduced almost fully formed um and creating this story derailed uh, i wonder how you went about trying to ensure that this was you know an an original fiction with these relatable characters that would also kind of fulfill reader expectations and and keep them turning the, the page? Well, I'm not sure that I put a lot of thought into that up front. Um, you know, I knew that the victim was, how the victim was going to die in the book. I knew about the murder immediately. Um, I used to work downtown Portland, and I think that was part of it, and being around the, the MAC systems and the bus systems and different things. So I mm -hmm. think I was, I spent years downtown and, and just had that feel for lawyers and buildings and, and commuter trains and that type of feel. Um, and I think it's, it just kind of un, unfolded from there of what the, the case would be and how it would work. Now, from your experience in, in the legal world, I wonder, uh, as you're watching or reading legal thrillers, legal fiction, uh, what do most of the authors and screenwriters get wrong about attorneys, about law offices, about the practice of law? I'm not sure they get a lot wrong. I mean, there's such a diverse, lawyers are as diverse as, you know, everyday people, right? So mm -hmm. you can really right. create them to be anything and it would probably land as true for somebody. And I've been around several lawyers and they are very quirky in personality, very driven. Um, <laughs> so I don't think they get a lot mm -hmm. wrong as far as that goes. I probably don't have, you know, I haven't read every single one, obviously, but but I've always been impressed. I think, you know, today's reader requires a certain level of research um, for it to be out in the world. And, and I think that most have done quite a good job. Now, if someone were to craft a character who spent a decade or two working in, I don't know, a downtown Portland law firm um, in an office building there as a paralegal and secretary and had all this experience, if they were trying to create, effectively, a Mary as their character, what would you most want them to get right about you? Hmm. 
that's a great question. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I mean, it's, it takes a certain level of drive, I suppose, to, to show up, get the work done, and uh, attention to detail. So I think, you know, perhaps that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if, if someone were to create a caricature of you, what would you uh, most like to see in the, the humorous uh, or a completely antithetical version of you? Oh, gosh. These are terrible questions, Gavin. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> uh, you could have my dog next to me. That would pretty much sum me up. I'm all about Hawaii palm trees on one side and my dog on the other side. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, That would pretty much sum me up. I always want to be on a beach and my dog preferably next to me. For the last question I, I ask of all the authors who come on the show, mostly because it, it's fun for me, uh, I know most authors are also the most avid readers. And I would imagine as someone who's writing PI stories, you probably have a, a favorite fictional investigator or private eye or a police detective, somebody that you know, you'll always pick up their series or read their books, maybe time and again. So God forbid it should come to pass, Mary, but were you to wake up tomorrow and find that you've been murdered, what fictional investigator or PI would you assign your own homicide? It has to be written because I was going to say Hawaii Five-O nope. Task Force could come in anytime. Yeah. <laughs> you can pick it. And you, it. It's your murder. You can die wherever you'd oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll go with Hawaii Five-O if it's in Hawaii. But if I'm in my area here, um, I am a huge fan of J.A. Jantz, J. Page, yes. Beaumont, Sheriff mm-hmm. Brady, uh, Faye Kellerman's Peter Decker and Rena Lazarus could always come in and help. And then uh, Kinsey Milhone, of course. I'm always going to be a diehard Sue Grafton fan. She's mm-hmm. the reason I write, one of the reasons I write. And, um, and yeah, so she could, I bet she'd probably figure it out before everybody. So. Well, I, I really appreciate you making time to come on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And, and thank you for putting this fantastic PI book together. Um, for people who have you know left the, the genre or don't read a lot of PIs, this is a fantastic book to bring them back to it. It's, it's really well written. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and this episode's guest has been Mary Kalakoa. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.